Welcome everybody back to the Nuggets of Gold podcast brought to you by To The Crib. So for today's podcast episode, we're going to be going over three topics. We're going to split these topics, post these later this week. And then tomorrow we're going to be having a mock draft Monday posted our first mock draft Monday last year. We only did one mock draft Monday and we nailed the Elijah Mitchell pick. So that's our, that's our claim to fame right there. But for today's episode, we're going to go over Christian Watson. We're going to go over Brian Greasy and we're going to talk again about Jimmy G. Um, I think the Jimmy G talk is getting a little bit old, but we only got one podcast episode out last week and there were some notable things that happened to Jimmy G with the surgery, how that will affect his trade value. We're going to be talking about that later. So first thing, let's get into Christian Watson. Now, if you guys weren't really tuned into the combine, Christian Watson pretty much stole the show in terms of wide receivers and small school guy, North Dakota State, played with Trey Lance. Christian Watson comes out, unofficially runs a 4-2-8, turns into a 4-3-6, still extremely impressive. Also has a 38.5-inch vertical jump and an a, uh, 11-foot broad jump. Just ridiculous numbers. Absolutely insane. This kid's, what, six foot four, like 220, so he's huge, plus he's flying on the field. Uh, one of the things that the Niners are looking to add, I, w- I mean, I would expect that they're looking to add, is a vertical threat because right now there's not really a vertical threat on this team. I mean, you look at the the wide receivers. You have Brandon Ayuk, who's more of a guy that is used for route running and separation. Debo Samuels, a, a gadget guy. Jawan Jennings, possession receiver, third down, like move the chains kind of guy. They don't have a true vertical threat right now. Now, I bring up Christian Watson. This draft class is absolutely filled with vertical threats, so it's it's worth noting that. I mean, the combine times, the 40 times this combine were absurd, and all these guys have ridiculous straight line speed. So, Aiden, my question to you is, is there a chance that Christian Watson is drafted by the 49ers in the second round? And do you like that option? Do you think it's a smart thing that they could go and do? How are you feeling about it? I think there's definitely a, a chance. Uh, he checks a lot of boxes. Looking at who the Niners have tried to pick up in, in that wide receiver room since Kyle got there, like Jalen Hurd was supposed to be this red zone threat that could do a lot of different things, a bigger guy. Um, and they've been trying to find the the deep threat. They found the the, the Debo. Ayuk's pretty much a hit, uh, but they haven't found those other two roles that Kyle wants to fill out that wide receiver room with. And what's exciting and why I think the Niners could potentially reach for like a wide receiver in, in the second and take Watson is because he can do the, the deep threat stuff and he can do the red zone stuff. Uh, the Niners love versatility, uh, and this is a super versatile guy. And I, I think that if Trey Lance puts his foot down and is like, this guy will make me a, a better player, um, they at least have, have to listen the only negative is that he may have played him or tested himself into first round consideration, uh, which is awesome for him. But I very much doubt the Niners are going to trade up for a, a receiver when they have so many other needs. And I still don't think they'd go receiver in in the second, given that they already have one and two uh, and even three already pretty fleshed out. Um, so I think that there's always a, a chance and he checks a lot of boxes, but um, I wouldn't hold out hope because he tested so well and you're not going to see him fall past mid mid second at, at the very lowest. Yeah. It's interesting with him because I think a lot of people looked at him before and it was like, Oh, this guy, you know, he's huge, really big. He's going to run fast. Um, but I think a lot of people had him like expected to be like a fourth, fifth round pick. Now what, what you do learn about the NFL draft is 
the media is usually behind all that stuff. So coaches and evaluators at the NFL level, they probably already had this guy as a second round pick. They knew what he was going to run in terms of his 40, but he's a guy that's like what you call like a late riser or whatever, or maybe like, you know, his stock went up from the combine, but it's more, it's pretty likely that, you know, teams thought, Oh yeah, this guy's going to be a second rounder. Now I do find it really interesting. You bring up Trey Lance. He played with Trey Lance in 2019, averaged over 21 yards per completion. He had over 700 yards, six touchdowns, not any like ridiculous numbers, but his threat down the field was very apparent when you watched when you, whenever, whenever you were watching the Trey Lance tape. Um, and and then last year he had, I think it was 800 yards and seven touchdowns. So improved on that a good amount. Um, 2020, obviously kind of a wash there. Uh, but, you know, you look at these times, you look at where he's going to get picked. If he was there in the second round, I still wonder if they would take him only because you brought it up. There's other needs. Guard is most likely going to be a need because I'm not expecting Lake and Tomlinson to be back. I don't know if you've seen the recent reports, but it sounds like he's going to be one of the high, highest coveted guards in the whole league. And there are like five, six teams that are already going to get into a bidding war. And the 49ers also already took like a million to $2 million dead cap amount for him, for, for him before extending him where that could have not ended up being the case. So if they were going to extend him or going to resign him, it probably would have already happened. That's what I was expecting. But for Lakin, he's probably going to make a lot of money. So it makes sense for him to not necessarily sign a, a team-friendly deal. When the Nor- when the Niners are a lot more strapped for cash than I think a lot of people are expecting, Aiden, you sent me last week, you sent me like your off-season plan. And if you're looking and you're not looking at you know the salary cap stuff, you're like, oh, this the Niners aren't doing anything. Like, why are they not doing anything? Well, because they don't have any money to do anything. And yours... You had him extending Debo and uh, and Nick Bosa, and that was like the big moves of it, and then re-signing most of the guys that are currently free agents. And they have $500,000 left in cap. Like, it's going to be very, very hard. And that's including restructures as well. So it's going to be very, very hard for this team to go out and, like, make a big splash. Um, but Lakin, that's a guy that you're going to have to pay a lot of money, and he's likely to go. So what happens then? Then you're going to have to go try to get a guard. Okay, what about DJ Jones? If he walks, you're going to really need someone to fill that one tech role. Corner, we've already talked about corner. This isn't the best corner class, but you never know. We talked about linebacker. And also, the other thing is, it's going to be a best player available approach. That's typically what the Niners do. You never know. They could go after a tackle. Michael Ginchy is getting close to the end of his deal. So, like, there's so many spots where there might be a guy that are in this spot that's starting next year already, but they don't have a future guy. And what the Niners like to do a lot of times is have a guy kind of in the waiting. Maybe that's Christian Watson as well. Maybe they bring him in. They really want that vertical threat but I just find it hard to believe that they're going to go and draft a receiver in the second round. It, it definitely could happen. Don't get me wrong. Like Kyle could be like, you know, we've, we nailed our last second round pick in, in Debo Samuel and we had at Brandon Ayuk at, at the late first. And that, you know, that was a hit as well. So it helps the offense, but they already have so many weapons and the, primarily the touches are going to be going to Debo to the run game, to Ayuk, to Kittle. Like you already have such great weapons there. So I do wonder if that's something that they, they go after. But if they think Christian Watson is a star, then it definitely could happen. So my final question on Christian Watson is, if Trey Lance goes and does something similar to what Kyler Murray did with Rondell Moore, and I know Rondell, I don't believe Rondell Moore and him played together, but when Rondell Moore is getting drafted, Kyler said, like, look, I really, really like this guy. I would love for you guys to draft him. I think he's like an elite playmaker. I think he would make our offense so much better and just kept vouching for him to the front office, and they go and they end up taking him. Do you think something similar could happen with the 49ers with Christian Watson? 
definitely could. Um, but I don't think Trey is really at a point like Kyler was last year where like you've proven yourself as a potential star. Um, Trey still has too, too many question marks to, I think, walk into that room and be like, this is what you guys should, should do. Uh, I don't think he would do that. I think everybody knows that he really likes Christian Watson and that he would fit really well into this offense. Um, so I, I, I don't think that he needs to go in there and make that clear. Uh, it definitely could happen. And Kyle may decide that the offense is the reason why they didn't make the Super Bowl this year. The defense was good enough to make it. Uh, and even though you have these, these other needs, um, if Kyle's like, we need to score more points, this guy's going to help us do that. Um, I, I could see that as a more likely uh, reasoning than Trey said that he wants this guy because I think you, 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 you mentioned it. They already have so many weapons and the ball can only go so many places. Um, but if Kyle thinks that he's going to make a, a difference right away, um, it will only help Trey. Um, then I could definitely see them pull, pulling the trigger. And it, it would be very interesting if Trey Lance is like, look, I get that this might not be a need, but I think this guy's going to be an elite, like a star. This is one of the best players I've ever played with. Uh, I guess up until the NFL, obviously got got a couple of special guys in that receiving room, but it could be someone that he could vouch for. But I do think you're right in terms of like, I don't think Trey Lance, 21 year old Trey Lance, is at the point in his career, like, hey, I know I'm going to be like taking over this job first time, but I'm going to start like trying to pull for guys for you guys to draft. So I wouldn't expect him to take that route either. Um, but it is interesting because you, you you never know with guys like that where it might not be like a hey like you got to go get this guy, but like hey if you guys want to know something about him, like I'll tell you like this guy's one of the hardest workers. It's whatever you know, competitiveness is in his DNA, you know, like that's just how this guy is. That's how, that's how he ticks. Um, You never know. And if you watch Christian Watson, he has a lot of physical plays where he's just absolutely bodying guys. Um, So the play style, like it does kind of fit the need in terms of what you're looking for. If you're going to go after a receiver, it makes sense. But I think going after a guy in the second round is a little early and I don't expect him to be available in the Niners pick. So I think it would have to be some, someone they would need to trade up for. Um, but props to Christian Watson for for absolutely, you know, pumping up the, the stock, I guess for the media, but pumping up the stock uh, for, for his draft. Um, next thing to hit on here, Brian Greasy, hired as quarterback coach. Now, this was a big one. If you're on, if you're on Twitter on Friday night, people were losing their mind about this. Now, if you look back into Brian Greasy's career, he played at Michigan. He was there when Tom Brady was there. Um, it from, I think he was there from 94 to 97. I want to say, then he goes to the NFL. He plays in the NFL for 11 seasons, not a full-time starter plays 93 career games, almost had 20,000 yards over a hundred passing touchdowns, you know, a pretty lengthy career. Uh, then in 2009, which is the year after he retired from the NFL, he started working for ESPN and he worked, I think he worked in some college football stuff. I think he did some NFL stuff as well. Um, he worked on like radio things also. And then last year in 2020, he was on Monday night football and he did that for a couple years as well. So he went from there, gets hired. And the big thing that stands out to a lot of people is this guy has no coaching experience. Why is he being hired to develop Trey Lance? And I get the concerns. I have them too. Um, but the one thing I I do want to kind of, kind of bring up is Kyle Shanahan has been excellent at picking assistant coaches and they're at a point right now where they have so much offensive turnover, the defensive side, for the most part, most assistant coaches are there, but the offensive coaches, the assistant coaches, 
this is the biggest turnover there there's been. So I think it's something where it's going to be really tough. And this next year is going to be the biggest test that Kyle Shanahan has had as a head coach in his entire career. I don't think there's even a question about that. He's going to come in with a loaded roster and a young quarterback, and he's going to come in with a ton of turnover on his staff. So with all that said, how do you feel about him going and bringing in a guy to be quarterback coach that doesn't have true coaching experience? I think it's interesting. Um, it obviously worked for the Niners at, at GM. Uh, I think that John Lynch is living proof that you don't necessarily like as, as long as you understand the game, like you are going to be successful. Um, I actually like the, the hire. Um, I it's, it's just one of like, if, if think about it from greasy's perspective, if you're like on the Monday night football staff and there's, I don't know if, if you're aware Matt, but there's so much turnover and who's going to be like play by play and people are moving networks. So dude was probably going to get promoted. Um, if you're Brian greasy and you're looking at, at yourself, like why would you ever go back um, and start at a pretty low totem pole in, in, in the coaching ranks, becoming the quarterback coach? Um, like, why would you do that if, you weren't super passionate about it and it's not something that you wanted to do long-term. Um, so that makes me a lot more excited and makes me think that like this guy can bring something. And if he impresses Kyle, um, that's obviously like a good check in his book. Uh, he's known Kyle. They've been on, on they, they have one shared um, staff, him and Kyle. He was obviously drafted uh, when Mike Shanahan, Kyle's dad uh, was the coach of the Broncos, but he was the quarterback of the Buccaneers in 2005 uh, when Kyle was like an offensive quality control coach there. Um, so obviously they knew each other then. Uh, I'm sure Kyle has a, a list somewhere of guys that he knows are going to be good coordinators or, or quarterback coaches because uh, he's been so good at, at, at developing those guys. Uh, and I, I think it'll end up being good. I think Greasy is a smart guy. And you really just need somebody to further the the development of, of, of Trey Lance and bringing in a former quarterback. Greasy was a was a Pro Bowler. Um, I I think it, it's good, and this staff has earned the benefit of of the doubt, even even if he doesn't have uh, that crazy coaching experience as of yet. Yeah, I I'm actually definitely there with you. I think a lot of people are looking too much into the fact that he hasn't truly been a coach. When you're a quarterback in the NFL for 11 years and you and you play at Michigan at a high-end school, like you've been there, you've done that. You understand the position. And I think anyone that's kind of like, this, how do we know this guy knows how to coach? I bet you if you talk to him for 10 minutes, that you would go, oh, yeah, okay, I have a lot of faith in this guy's ability to coach and understand the quarterback position. I also was listening to a couple of videos of him talking about just how the quarterback position has changed over the last, I don't know, few years with just the type of athletes that have been brought into the position. And he was talking about, I think it was Kyler Murray and Lamar Jackson specifically. And he was talking about how the biggest thing for him was not like, oh, like, are they going to be good enough? Are they going to be able to do this? He's like, no, like, these guys are ridiculous. They're able to do so much more than the average quarterback. He said the big question that he has with a lot of guys that are running and are going downfield is, are they going to be able to stay healthy? And that's actually something that, is concerning about Trey Lance because he had two injuries last year and he played in two games. Um, now, one of the injuries was his finger, and I believe he was either in a preseason game or in training camp. 
Um, and then the second one was in the Cardinals game. But this is something that it looks like he's actually, it's a big deal to him. And that was like his biggest red flag with Lamar Jackson and Kyler Murray, which I, I like that a lot because if you watch Lamar Jackson and Kyler Murray, you know, these guys, these guys are amazing players. They're amazing quarterbacks, but Lamar got hurt last year, kind of a fluky play, but Kyler Murray's got, got hurt the last two seasons and it's really affected the Arizona Cardinals. So I think that's something where Trey Lance, we haven't seen him slide. That is something that Brian Greasy is going to make a very, very important thing for this team. And that's going to be like, no, Trey, like we're going to teach you how to get down because we need you out there. You picking up five extra yards does not matter at all if you're going to get hurt if you keep doing this over and over and over again. So kind of a small aspect of the quarterback position, but I have a lot of faith in a guy that's played in the league for 11 years. And and I think that with Kyle Shanahan's track record, maybe not at necessarily quarterback coach specifically, but look at what's been happening with his staff. They have all got hired over and over and over again to be in better positions than they are. People have just come, it's been almost like a revolving door of assistant coaches and not in a bad way, not in like, oh, this guy didn't work out. We got to get rid of him. No, this guy was great. And so someone else is hiring him as their head coach or, or he's move up, moving up to be a coordinator like LaFleur, you know, like so many different guys that have moved up. Uh, Rich Scandrillo, like he got hired. I think he's an offensive coordinator for, I forget which college, but I know he's an offensive coordinator now. That's a big upgrade from being a quarterback coach. So I, I just think it's a spot where, one, it's a high-profile name. So this is something that they've probably talked about in the past. And this means that Brian Greasy is completely bought into Trey Lance. And this means, like, his thought is, I mean, I guess I, I can't speak for him, but I feel like it's pretty clear. His thought is, I'm going to start coaching, and this is going to be the guy that elevates my career as a coach. So I like it a lot. But anything else you want to add on Brian Greasy? No, uh, I think you you made a really good point there at the end. Um, if he's going to leave the, the booth to get into coaching and this is his first job, I think that it, it speaks volumes about how he views Trey Lance. Um, and I think we can expect Kyle to take a little bit more of a hands-on role uh, with Trey because um, obviously Greasy doesn't have tons of coaching experience. So I think we're going to see Kyle wear a couple more hats than he has in, in the past. And I think that's why that Anthony, Anthony Lynn hire was so important. Uh, he can take some of those head head coaching duties uh, while Kyle focuses on the development of, of the young quarterback. Uh, so that's super exciting. Yeah. So I definitely feel like this is something that I think everyone got a little bit too like amped up about like this being an awful hire. Um, I also don't really know like who is in true consideration I know that Trey's working with multiple coaches out in Southern California, um, but those guys are probably going to stay in those roles. They don't want to go work for a team. I, I One thing I think a lot of people forget is like Jordan Palmer is not going to go. And I know I've brought this up before, but like it's very unlikely that he leaves doing his gig right now to go be an NFL quarterback coach. Cause one, he has like complete control of his schedule Two he makes a ton of money doing what he does. And that's pretty much any of those guys that are doing off-season training. So final thing about this is, even if the Brian Greasy hire isn't the best thing in the world, that doesn't necessarily mean that Trey Lance isn't going to work out. There's a lot of other coaches that are going to work with Trey Lance. Trey Lance is not necessarily just going to be working with Brian Greasy throughout the off-season. He's working with other people. He's working with other players. So it doesn't mean like this guy is completely tied to Trey. Like he's tied to Trey Lance. It doesn't mean Trey Lance is completely tied to him. Trey Lance is going to be getting work from other people and other coaches also on the 49ers as well. But 
pretty pretty significant hire there, definitely for for a quarterback coach who for a 21 year old quarterback. Um, but that's all I got on Brian Greasy. So final thing to bring up, we've talked about it a little bit. Jimmy Garoppolo. Jimmy Garoppolo did not get surgery after the NFC Championship game. Got a what a couple months, a month or two after now, about. And the big question is, what does that do to his trade value? I talked about it before. I was expecting them to get a second for Jimmy Garoppolo. I thought maybe a team, if multiple teams offered a second, some team would be like, we have to go get him. We have to throw in a, we have to send a first. The team that really, I, I thought a lot about it was the Steelers, just because they're a team that is almost ready to win. And Jimmy Garoppolo would be an up, a pretty solid upgrade over Big Ben, especially well, the Big Ben of the last couple years. But it doesn't look like that's going to be the case. And that is because Jimmy Garoppolo is just getting his surgery on his shoulder now. And is a four-month recovery. So, yes, it's not going to affect the season necessarily, but I think we have to look at the situation that Jimmy Garoppolo will be in, and which where he will go, and like the situation of that team, because wherever he goes, that team is trading for Jimmy Garoppolo because they're trying to win next year. They're not trying to rebuild through Jimmy Garoppolo. He's thirty-year-old quarterback. That's not that's not the goal. The goal is to try to win and try to upgrade a quarterback and get it going. If you're a team and Jimmy Garoppolo cannot throw until training camp, that hinders a lot of stuff because you don't get the offseason to get to get working with your receivers and get chemistry and do all that kind of stuff. And it's not super significant in every aspect, but for the situation of a team that's trying to contend, it just kind of puts them behind the eight ball. So I do think it tanks their value a lot. Sucks, I think, from the Niners' perspective, but... From Jimmy Garoppolo's perspective, it is literally the only amount of leverage he has is to potentially get cut and pick his own team. Maybe that happens. I don't think it's going to happen. But from his perspective, I, I get why he did it. It makes perfect sense. It's it's literally the only amount of leverage that he has at this point. So how do you feel about this whole surgery thing? And what do you think about the trade value too? Because I think that I've heard a bunch of different answers on that. Um, I actually saw something about like a, a, a doctor talking about like, this is the normal timeline for stuff like this. They don't want to do surgery on a, on a throwing shoulder. So they see if it's going to heal on its own. And then if it doesn't, you, you do the surgery. So I don't know if it was, I mean, I, I guess it could have been, but I doubt that Jimmy would wait and tank his own trade value so that he can choose his, his, his destination. Cause both sides, the Niners and, and Jimmy's camp have been, super honest and upfront about this entire situation. Uh, and the Niners have said that they would send Jimmy wherever he wants to go. Um, and I think that that's something that they will do. I think that, that they learned a little bit from, from the, the Buckner deal. Um, and they learned that you maybe shouldn't approach it quite like that. There, there's something to be said for it, it being a, a business and they're making a business decision, choosing Lance over Jimmy, but you don't have to be absolute dicks about it. Um, so, which I think that they understand. Um, I think it definitely hurts his his value, but it's not like he's Sam Darnold last year. If if Sam Darnold last year with major question marks gets hurt and misses a good portion of, of the offseason, I think that that's a bigger difference than Jimmy, who you know exactly what he is. Like, dude is a 30-year-old, starting caliber, decent quarterback, um, that's probably going to have to learn a, a new system. You don't need to have a working shoulder to, to do that. Uh, so I don't think it's the end of the world. I think it probably shoots that second round asking price to a third. Um, but I still expect him to get moved and get moved where he wants to go. Um, but 
there's a lot of news coming out of the Rogers side side of things. Um, and that's the first domino that's, that's going to fall. Um, anytime a two time reigning MVP is, is on the move, like teams are going to try to get that guy first. Um, so whoever Rogers doesn't choose will then shift to that second tier, like the Mitchell Trubisky, um, the Marcus Mariota, I think Jimmy is in that tier pretty much in, in, in terms of question marks surrounding him and knowing you probably got to extend him after this year. Um, so I think it'll be really interesting. I still expect him to get moved. Uh, and I don't think it was malicious in, in his way or, or scheming uh, to get, get leverage, but I guess it's possible. Yeah, and I also don't like – I'm not trying to be someone that's like uh, like trying to rip Jimmy for that. Like I, I don't think there's anything wrong with it either way. Um, even if he did, but I didn't, I didn't hear about that. What the doctor said about like waiting to see it. He all, that makes perfect sense though. Um, that was just kind of my thought with the timing of like not getting it. Cause usually you see guys get like, like if a, a, the regular season ends and then like the next week it'll be like all these dudes got surgery. Um, if you remember when AJ Brown did it, he was like talking about how he had like two like torn knees and he's going all crazy and he's, he's on, he's on some drugs um, at that time on some medication. Um, but you know, you see a lot of, a lot of guys do that right after the year. So I do find it interesting. So you think a third rounder then? Probably a third and then something conditional next year, similar to the Wentz stuff where like if he plays a certain amount, they, they make the playoffs. It's a something that could go as low as a fifth and as high as a second. I think one of those kind of things um, is most likely, and maybe it's even a fourth this year and a conditional one next year, but I'm expecting a mid-ish round pick this year and hopefully a conditional for, the, I guess, 2023. Goodness. Yeah, so I, I think that's likely. I think that's probably what it is, and that's that's what the reports have been more leaning to, opposed to the earlier ones that said the Washington football team was going to try to trade their 11th overall pick for Jimmy Garoppolo. Sign me up for that, by the way. If that's still in, in the, 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 the possibilities, yeah, we'll take pick 11. Um, but I think, I think with all that said, I think that's kind of all we got today. So not a super long episode. We'll be back later this week. We're going to be posting a mock draft Monday tomorrow, but full episode. Hopefully you guys enjoyed. Things are going to be picking up, not this week really, but next week. That's when we're going to start seeing some guys get cut, some rumors come out and we'll be tacking all those rumors for the 49ers. So thank you all for listening and we'll be back very soon talking 49ers football.